Welcome to the CXR channel, our premier podcast for talent acquisition and talent management. Listen in as the CXR community discusses a wide range of topics focused on attracting, engaging, and retaining the best talent. We're glad you're here. Welcome to another episode of CXR Expertise. I'm Chris Waite. Today, your lead singer and the president of CXR, uh, where for just a few rotations of the vinyl, we're going to connect and talk with talent leaders and industry experts to talk about what's keeping them up at night. One thing they like to make sure that you, our backup singers, learn from their experience. So if you're here live, you know that you can join the chat on the screen and ask whatever you'd like of today's guest. If we have the time, we're going to do our best to get to that question. And otherwise, you can just Find it over in our free and public forums at cxr.org slash talent talks. Now, lastly, don't forget to subscribe to these podcasts and videocasts anywhere you listen to your favorites, like Spotify, Amazon Music, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, or just by dialing in to www.cxr.org slash podcast. Now, as a reminder, each of these segments and the guests are chosen around feedback received on our 2021 priority survey. Now, if you haven't added your thoughts to this open survey with the hundreds of other talent leaders that have chimed in, well, you're just too late. We're going to publish the results this week, so you can, however, uh, view them over at txr.works uh, in the research and reports section of the website. So let's start singing, shall we? I'm, I'm super excited today to introduce to you today's guest, Annie Lynn, who is the VP of People at Lever. Annie, welcome. How are you? Thanks, Chris. Thanks so much, everybody, for having me. I'm super excited for you to be here. But before we before we sort of jump in, because I love, 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 love data, love data, seven of them. Who who is Annie Lynn? Like, why should the folks that are dialed in and listening on the treadmill or, or dancing around their rooms to the music of our of our voices? What why should they be paying attention to you? Share a little bit about your background. Yeah, no, thanks everybody for having me and listening to podcasts on the treadmill is my favorite way to listen to podcasts. So I totally support you. That is what you are doing here. Um, so like Chris said, my name is Andy Lynn. I am the VP of people at Lever. Uh, my team is everything from recruiting, HR ops, HR business partnerships, programs, internal comms, culture, you name it, it's under the umbrella. Um, and for those of you who are not familiar with Lever, um, we are actually a recruiting software. So we're a talent acquisition suite that helps other organizations face what we still consider to be one of the biggest challenges for companies to scale and succeed, which is to attract and hire really great talent. And so, as you can imagine, I have the privilege of being uh, on the meta team here at Lever, running talent at a company whose product itself is very much focused on talent. Uh, so that's been, that's definitely been a, been a joy to be able to be a part of that journey. Good stuff. Well, it's been fun to actually watch that organization, that company grow uh, over the last you know number of years. So it's been really kind of interesting. I guess the last five, five or six years really blown up. So it's a lot of fun. And I'm glad you were able to join us. Thank you so much. So yeah, you and I, you and I talked before and I shared kind of a funny story, which is only sort of half, half not true. Uh, but I fell in love with data from a recruiting standpoint when as a, as a punishment, uh, so to speak. So my, my boss and I at the time did not get along very well. And as a punishment, she gave me the reports team. And I thought, oh my God, this is where my career goes to die. Uh, and, but what I found out was I loved data. Like the, the data powered everything, could power every decision uh, within every element of recruiting. And, and to some degree at that point, HR uh, that, that we were using it for right within the organization. But I want to talk to you a little bit about, because where we touched base was the importance of data around DE&I initiatives. 
And so with like, you know, with the clock running, sort of what, what would you want everybody to know about how data can help those efforts get legs, those that can sort of move the needle from, from intent to impact? Yeah, no, great question. And obviously DE&I is such a, a top of mind topic for so many people leaders and just business leaders in general right now. Um, and my bias, as you'll, you'll likely tell from this podcast, is very much that if you don't have data to back up your decisions, you're going about those decisions blindly in a lot of ways. And so that is no different from, from DE&I. I think one thing that I see is a lot of business leaders will apply this sort of data-driven model to so many other aspects of how they think about running their business. But for some reason, when it comes to DE&I, suddenly there's a lot less usage of that muscle. And I really encourage everybody to use that same muscle that perhaps you're used to for other parts of the business. Um, and to think about essentially where I would start is to think about every part of the employee life cycle from recruiting to onboarding to when they maybe get their performance reviews and comp reviews, promotions, when they exit, et cetera. Look at every single stage um, and use data at every single stage to identify where there may be gaps and where things can be better. I'll give you an example just to make it a little bit more concrete. Um, obviously, recruiting is an area I can talk forever about, but I want to actually give you an example in the way we think about comp uh, and performance reviews. Uh, so we have, you know, a 360 reviews like a lot of companies do. We do a biannual process where we revisit everybody's compensation and equity. Uh, and where data really comes in for the way we think about DEI at that particular stage is that my team um, actually does a thorough analysis every single time. So every six months we, want, we, we do a round of these. Um, when the results come in, my team runs a very thorough analysis of how the results uh, are distributed by different types of demographic groups. So we'll, we'll look at who's getting raises, how, how much is the raise, who is getting promoted, et cetera, et cetera, by genders, by different racial groups, by age groups, by a couple of different dimensions of DEI that we think of. And we basically take a look at that data and see if there are any trends that we don't want to see, quite frankly, because uh, we know that comp and performance is an area where unconscious bias can creep in. And if there are trends we don't want to see, we talk about it and we flag it for the executive team and we actually make changes if we think it makes sense. So where would you recommend, like, that's great at a young company, I think, right? That makes sense at a young company, you're preventative uh, in that measure. Where do you think an organization that has 200,000 employees uh, should, should start something like that. I mean, I get, let's get some stakeholders involved. Let's start talking about this, but what would be something you tell somebody who's at a, at a large organization that may have established biases or established trends mm -hmm. that they're not aware of? Like how could they start that journey? Yeah, I mean, not surprisingly, I will still say start with data. Um, data is a phenomenal way of actually surfacing how things are going. I, I, I think of data as the way you paint the state of the union, um, where things are going, well, where there are gaps. And it's also an ability for you to influence other decision makers in the company, right? So it, especially if you have folks in organizations who are at varying degrees of being bought in to the importance of DEI, uh, it's much more powerful instead of just you showing up with, let's say, what could be perceived as your opinions of what the company should focus on that you actually bring data. So on the recruiting side, for example, this is where I think data, I would encourage everybody to just make this a standard part of how you operate, right? Is that do you have a good cadence of collecting like obviously optional anonymous demographic data from your candidates? Mm -hmm. uh, that will allow you to then 
run analysis that show this is the diversity of our candidate pool at various stage various stages of our recruiting process and just as an example it might allow you to show that there is a pretty big drop off uh, in uh, underrepresented groups where you as an example go from recruiter phone screen to hiring manager phone screen or hiring manager phone screen to panel and when, if you can identify specific gaps like that you're also identifying more actionable next steps that you can potentially take because suddenly you've made it you you turn the potential issue from this giant category of dei which can feel very overwhelming to hey we have some hot spots at these three specific areas of our process what do we think we actually want to do, if anything, and then what are the next steps? So let me ask you, uh, you know, typically we don't talk about uh, our guests, uh, organizations, or their necessarily their products, and we try to avoid kind of the salesy piece, but I think this just, this just fits too nicely, so I have to ask. So like, from a lever perspective, are you seeing an increased desire um, from, from customers for that data collection at various points in the process? 100%. Uh, when we talk to our customers and we talk to folks who are thinking about being lover customers, DEI is one of the most consistently uh, common topics that get brought up. It's very top of mind for talent leaders from what we can tell. Uh, almost in every single conversation, it gets brought up. And would you, so Annie, I think I hear what you're saying, and I agree with you that you would, you, you're thinking that data, especially from a DEI standpoint, should be woven into everything that we do. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if a system, we're going to go now outside of your vice for the product, but if a system doesn't necessarily support it, or again, mm -hmm. I go back to folks who are just sort of grappling with how to collect that data. And on the recruiting side, I think it's easiest to we'll start there. How would you recommend those conversations take place internally? Like, can I, can I talk my company into putting a pre-screen question up to let, let candidates self-identify on the front end? Sure, maybe. But then any recommendations on how I get that to be part of the leadership conversation? Yeah, it's, a, it's an excellent question. I think so much of DEI work uh, is, is about, especially in the beginning, when mm -hmm. you're getting the program stood up, is so much of it is buy-in work is trying to get the rest of the leadership team, right? To be, to be on board. Um, I think this is where, <laughs> I'm beating this to death here, right? Uh, I think this is where you have to be very mindful of what actually motivates the, the leadership team, right? And this is where data can also be helpful. So here, this is what I mean, uh, different types of data. Um, you might, if you have folks on the leadership team who um, are, as I mentioned earlier, maybe at different stages of being bought into just how important DEI really is. I think there's folks might say it's important, but they really think it's important. Um, it is, I think it is up to, in many ways, the people leader to paint the picture of why this is really important and draw the connection to other things in the business that other leaders might care more about. So for example, it's likely that you uh, as, as a team are already having exit interviews. You already have some qualitative or quantitative data about what people say when they leave the company. Um, you likely also have some information about feedback from current employees uh, and, and your top performers in particular. Uh, it's not unlikely that DEI is going to be one of the things that people bring up because it is top of mind, not just for talent leaders, it's top of mind for people in general. Um, and so if you're starting to see that as a company, you're losing a lot of great performers, or you have a lot of current employees who are thinking about leaving or at risk of leaving uh, because they feel like the company's not doing enough. 
that is an excellent piece of intel. In fact, I think it is as a people leader, uh, your 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 responsibility, in fact, uh, to surface intel like that, right? So that the you and the rest of the, the leadership team can talk about if we want to retain our great people because we they're they're incredibly important for the business's success. We have to address areas like this. This is something that we can we can no longer ignore. We can no longer not take more action on because these are the impact that we're going to see beyond DEI, right? We're going to see people will leave, people will go look for companies that take, take this more seriously from their perspective. Uh, we may have disengaged, we may have disengaged employees. Yeah, well, and, and I think you raise a really good point in that data is powering these decisions, whether you are the leader trying to push initiatives uh, and showcasing that data, or whether you are someone trying to push this effort uphill within your own organization, it's the facts, right? You can't argue with that. So if you can get your arms around collecting some of that data, uh, even, even if it's smaller to begin with, I think that empowers you to bring a level of credibility uh, to those conversations that are a really big deal. And, and I, just, I just love that. Exactly. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's strong. Annie, thank you so much. I'm so excited that you got to join us. I know it's, it's a quick sprint uh, that we do when we sing a fast song, but I really appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. I love it. Thanks, everybody. All right. Okay, listeners, be sure to join us. May 4th, 12 p.m., 12 p.m., 3 p.m. Eastern, when we connect with Jeffrey Moses. Now, he is the founder uh, and CEO of Parker Dewey. He plans to join us and talk about experiential recruiting and how it can help companies to overcome various recruiting challenges, specifically those or especially those in early career recruitment. So whatever you do, be sure to call your mom and let her know where you'll be next week during that time so that she doesn't worry about you. And make sure you've got your Mother's Day card in the mail by then, will you? So until then next week, we hope to see you in our incredibly active talent community forums at cxr.org slash talent talks. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to the CXR channel. Please subscribe to CXR on your favorite podcast resource and leave us a review while you're at it. Learn more about CXR at our website, cxr.works, facebook.com and twitter.com slash career crossroads and on Instagram at career X roads. We'll catch you next time.